time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Everybody say all in. Come on, one more time. Say one more. All in. Hey, you guys, we started a series last week, obviously called All In. And we are so excited about what Jesus is doing in the lives of young people all across our city because we are saying yes to him. Is anybody excited about that? Hey, last week, so many of you committed to just join us in in fasting and and literally fasting and missing meals and changing your changing literally your physical diets, your eating habits in order to create more space in your lives and in your hearts towards Jesus and for the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are so, 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 so uh, proud and so honored to be joining you in that. And so we're nearly about tomorrow, be about halfway into our 21 days of fasting and praying. And some, some of you, you're, you're, this is your first night tonight. And so I'll be, I'm just trying to catch you up a little bit about uh, with what God is doing in and through our hearts here at DSM. Um, I want to jump right into the scriptures tonight. We're going to, tonight's going to be a little bit of a different night. We're going to spend some time at the end um, praying for and, and with students all across this place and, and interns. And so, uh, so I, I feel like there's a couple things that I want to share with you to prepare for that. But I want everyone here, uh, sometimes in the scriptures or specifically in Revelations, whenever Jesus is, is talking he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And I feel such a, such a burden. I feel such a calling. You know, tonight, DSM, everybody who's supposed to be, is, be here is here in this moment tonight. And so I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge every single one of you. Some of you do amazing jobs every week. You're plugged in. You're listening. You're locked, loaded, ready to go. And there are others of you. Don't do such a great job. I'm just going to ask you tonight, this one night, if you can't do it any other night, that you'd actually lean in and press in and listen to what the voice of God would say to you tonight. I believe that he's going to speak prophetically to so many of you in this place tonight. We're going to go into a ministry time, so the band's going to come back up. I've invited the entire Desperation staff to be here with us tonight to help pray for you guys. And, and so I want you, even right in the middle of this season where we're praying and we're fasting and we're seeking the Lord, I want those of you to know who just kind of even been going through the motions that you don't have to leave here tonight in depression. You don't have to leave here tonight locked up and bound up in the chains of the enemy. Scripture is so clear in 1 John where it says, for this reason, the Son of God was manifested. This reason, the Son of God came to earth for this express reason. And he says, to destroy the works of the devil. And so whatever works of the devil have been playing out in your life, any attacks, any old habits, any crazy ways of thinking, any destructive behavioral patterns, any, any language things that, 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 you know what, you want to honor God, but you can't stop cursing or, or you just listen to all kind of crazy stuff and you're just out. Hey, hey, tonight I'm here to tell you that the son of God came into the world to destroy the works of the devil. You guys believe that tonight? All right. So I want to go straight, straight to the scripture. 
I want to talk about from a message that I've simply titled, Desperate for Daniel. Everybody say, Desperate for Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, I'll summarize here, and then I'll skip over to chapter 6, and that's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. The Israelites, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, were in what we call Babylonian exile or Babylonian captivity. There were years and years and years where the people of Israel, the Israelites, the Jews, were going back and forth. They would vacillate between, yes, God, I love you. No, God, I don't. Yes, God, I love you. Sorry, not sorry. Hashtag, yes, God, I love you, but uh, not really. Not today. Uh, you know, I'm just, we don't know really what we want or uh, God, we don't really love you, but, but we want to love you, but not today. And so they're going back and forth. So God would, had sent by this point in Daniel, multiple prophets warning them saying, Hey, you've got to repent. You've got to turn back from God. You don't want to walk into what's coming because any lifestyle that is lived outside of the presence of God is a straight pathway to destruction and hardship. And so prophet after prophet would come to the nation of Israel saying, turn back to God. At last they said no. And so they found themselves in what we call Babylonian captivity in Daniel chapter 1. And so it was a really tough time for the nation of, of Israel. And, and what happens is once they took them and made this entire nation slaves, then they begin to handpick and hand select some of the best of the best, the brightest of the bright, the, the wealthy, the smart. And, and amongst this group was, was this guy named Daniel or Daniel. And then he had three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You know him as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That, those were actually their Babylonian names. And so here they are. They found themselves in this place called Babylon, where they're the small group of Christians or of Christ followers or God followers, and everyone else is serving multiple other gods. Some of you say, Pastor I know what that's like. You should come to my school, Babylon High School, right there. Okay, and so so Daniel can relate to, to anybody in this room who maybe aren't surrounded by a bunch of followers of God. And so Daniel and his three friends, as they get into this, this, this nation called Babylon, they, they, there's a struggle because they want to honor honor their God and they still want to be obedient, but, but, but everybody else is serving all of these different gods. And I believe that as a generation of Christ followers that many of us can feel because it really is true. It's like this culture is Babylon and our culture is telling us all of these different things, but our God is saying something totally different. So some of us find ourselves in a point of conflict and tension continuously, but we have a choice. And so Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, a.k.a. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are, 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 are right in the midst of all of this. And they've been given this assignment, and they've been given tasks. And, and so I won't get into, I won't, I won't get into the, 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 the fiery furnace and all of that. But what I do want to look at tonight, one verse from chapter 1, and then we'll jump into our main text that we'll be talking about in chapter 6. But verse 1 Daniel chapter 1, verse 8 says, but Daniel, everybody say, but Daniel. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Or New Living Translation says, but Daniel was determined 
not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. And what you don't know here is Daniel and the rest, everybody else who were kind of in training, they had been told that they've got to eat this particular food. But, but the issue was not that the food was inherently bad, but this was food that had been literally sacrificed to demonic gods and idols. And in partaking as such, Daniel knew that they would become defiled, that that would dishonor their God. And so he made a choice. We're just, we're just not going to eat it. We'll eat something different. But the point that I want to bring out even here is that Daniel, from the very beginning, had a resolve and a purpose in his heart that I am going to live a certain kind of way. I'm going to be this kind of person, and I'm not going to allow the world or anyone else to define me. You see, the very first thing that the enemy will do anytime he is launching an attack against you is exactly what he did for Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. It will try to change your name. You guys get that? And so, and so in doing so, so even their names would literally translated in the, in the Hebrew brought praise to God because it was descriptive titles of God. And, and the king of Babylon says, no, 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 I don't like that name. Let me call you by another name. And some of us are so used to responding to other names that we've forgotten what our name is that he has given us. That our names are holy. That our names are pure and consecrated and set apart and purposed and destined to do great things for our God. Purity is one of our names. But some of us have forgotten, so we respond to lust and impurity and pornography and everything else. We'll be talking about that more next month in our purity series, so stick around. But Daniel says, no, 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 I know my name. I have a name. I have a purpose. Thank you very much. And so we get over to Daniel chapter 6. By this point, so we're skipping probably about 30 or 40 years or so, at least. Daniel's 80 years old, and our main text we're going to be coming from tonight. Daniel chapter 6. By this time, he's over 80 years old. And I'm going to read a lengthy passage of of Scripture here. Daniel chapter 6. And I want to start at verse 6. Again, some of the background is that because Daniel was living his life in such a way that honored God, it did not make people around him very happy. As a matter of fact, it made them very uncomfortable. So they started searching and sifting through Daniel's life, looking for ways to get him in trouble, so to speak, because Daniel had such favor on his life. Even in Babylonian captivity, he has the favor of God. He's exalted. He's made one of the highest rulers in the land, and he's a Hebrew boy. I mean, this was unheard of at the time, but he's had such favor, and he had such resolve in his heart, but it didn't make everybody happy. You're always going to have haters. Come on, somebody. There's always going to be some. Come on. And so so, so everybody's not your friend. Everybody's not championing you on in your walk with Jesus. Everybody's not for you. You see what I'm saying? And so Daniel, even back then, there were haters. They didn't know what to call them. I'm calling them haters. Okay. So Daniel chapter six, Daniel's haters just kind of get around and they begin to orchestrate a plan to destroy Daniel. So that's where we're going to jump in here. Daniel chapter six. And I'll start reading at verse six. It says, so the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. 
And here's what it needs to be, King. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays for anyone, to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. Verse 8 says, and now your majesty issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. Verse 10, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, he knelt down, as usual, in his upstairs room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he prayed three times that day, just as he had always done, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. Verse 12. So they went straight to the king, haters, and reminding him about his law. He says, did you not sign the law for the next 30 days? Any person who prays anyone, divine or human, except you, your majesty will be thrown into the den of lions. You remember that? King says, yes, that decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes and Persians. It cannot be revoked. Verse 13. Then the king, then they told the king, that man, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He's ignoring you and your law. Sorry, I lost my place here. (laughs) He still prays to his God three times a day. Verse 14, hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. The king really did love Daniel, you guys. He spent the rest of his day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. Verse 15, in the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, so no no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested, thrown into the den of lions. Then the king said to him, Daniel, yo, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. I won't take the time to read the rest of this passage down to 26. You guys can even spin it as we're seeking and praying and fasting together. Most of us know the end of the story. Daniel continues to pray. He gets thrown into the lion's den It becomes a testimony to the power of God because not even the lions could destroy Daniel. The king goes nuts. He says, truly, Daniel's God is God, okay? And everybody just freaking out. So, 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 but Daniel, again, this this message entitled Daniel, Desperate for Daniel. I want to lift one idea from this, from this entire passage. It's 20 something or so verses. And it's found in verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times a day, and he prayed, and he gave thanks before his God. And listen to this again. As was his custom since early days. You see, Daniel, you guys, Pastor Caleb was talking about before, you want to have a history and giving. You want to have a history in prayer. Oh, I promise you, you don't want to learn to pray whenever you're 24 years old and you're going through some major crisis in the middle of college or or, or going through life or in your 30s or in your 40s. You don't want to have to learn to pray in those moments. 
Do you want to have like Daniel, as was his custom from his early days, because, because, because there was such a legacy, because it was so built into who he was. It was so a part, literally, of his DNA. Whenever they begin to make a law saying, you know what, we're literally going to throw you into, the, into a pit with lions. And we look at it today because we know the end of the story. But Daniel did not know the end of the story. It didn't even matter to him what the threat was, because this is who Daniel was. He had resolved in his heart from early in his days, I will be a man of prayer. I will be one who prays. And so, and so tonight in week two of this all of this all in seek, pray fast. Obviously we're talking about, talking about this idea of Daniel because I believe this generation is desperate to see some Daniels who are not afraid, who are not ashamed and before you go to your little passage in, in Matthew where Jesus says, pray secretly and I'll reward you openly. That was a principle of personal prayer. It is very clear in scripture. Otherwise, we would not even know. You talk to them on the day of Pentecost and see how private they were with their prayers. It was an open prayer, open heaven. The entire city knew that these believers were praying. That's the type of prayer that I'm talking about tonight. There's all different types, but I'm talking about powerful, fervent prayer tonight. And you making a decision to be a man or a woman of God who is going to pray. Bottom line, that's it. Praying in public, praying in private, praying in front of 50 people, praying in front of three people, praying in front of no people. I'm just going to be a man or woman who prays. This will be my custom from my early days. Ecclesiastes says this. Ecclesiastes 12 and 1. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come. And I know we all have a story. I'm walking through difficulty. Okay, all right. Um, but but, but for like for real, like as you grow up, challenges just become, become bigger. What was like a crisis, looking back at age 15 or 16, it's like, that was not no crisis. That was, okay, for real. You know what I'm saying? So we have a way of dramatizing situations. We're not going to point anybody out. But, but, but honestly, honestly, serve the Lord in the days of your youth. But before, before the days of trouble, before the difficult days come, there's a principle here that we begin to embody and take on saying, Lord, I may not know a whole lot. I don't even think I'm a good, like, prayer person, but I'm going to be a man or a woman of God who, who prays. That's just it. Where are the Daniels that will remember their God in the days of their youth, you guys? Jesus taught us to pray. Whenever the disciples had a conversation with them, they said, Lord, you know, probably you're the best person to pose our, our question to. Hey, how do we pray? Like, teach us, teach us to pray. And Jesus says something to this effect, our Father who, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so that's, that's, that's one area, or that's one way. Which Jesus said to pray for, if you forgive men of their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You guys, the point I'm trying to make is that prayer is not popular, okay? It, you're not going to hear, you know, 
Bieber or, or Jay-Z or One Direction singing, you know, about prayer on their latest album. You're, you're not going to see any of your celebrity icons you follow on Twitter talking about, man, my prayer life is just exploding. Hashtag boom. No, no, nobody. You're, you're not, you're not going to see that. You're not going to see, you're not going to see that on your Instagram feeds or your Facebook walls. But, but I'm telling you, it was a big deal to Jesus. And it was a big deal to every single man or woman of God, not only in the Bible, but even in church history. You go scripture after scripture. One incredible man of God, John Wesley, said this, God does nothing on earth except just answer believing prayer. God does nothing on earth except just answer prayers that came out of believing hearts. Ian Bound says this, if prayer is anything, prayer is everything. If prayer is anything, then prayer is everything. And so some of us, even tonight, are coming up a little bit short. You know, you think about prayer and it's like, uh, I pray at church. I, uh, I, I don't know. It's God is grace. God is good. Let me thank him for his, this food. Amen. And, or, you know, Jesus, just bless me and, and uh, give me a great day. Amen. And all of those are great starting places, you guys. But we don't want to live in that place. We want to mature. We want to go. We want to go into the deeper things of God. We want to grow in God. You see what I'm saying? Everything in your life revolves around you connecting with, with Jesus. And some of us, if we were real honest, we'd say, you know, Pastor Brandon, I got a desperate prayer life right here. Like, <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not really good at that. But tonight, I believe all of that can change. You guys, prayer is like inhaling. Worship is like exhaling. See, some of us have no real base and foundation and no real power in our worship because our prayer lives are weak and frail and anemic. And it's not a judgment tonight. It's just truth. <laughs> the good thing about immaturity or ignorance is that it can be corrected. You just choose to mature and you choose to learn. And so even as I think back on my prayer life in, in eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, I had zero prayer life before, before the beginning of my freshman year or so in high school. But I remember, I, I remember I remember whenever God started putting prayer on my heart. Before I knew I was going to be a, a pastor or, or be a man, it was just like, God, I want to be, be a person of prayer. I want to be, be a man who, who has a history in prayer, who can look back on my high school years and say, I've invested some time and I have invested some moments. I've invested some weekends and some nights in prayer where it was just me and you, Lord, and you begin doing transformational things in my life. I want to have a history where I don't have regrets of not praying to you and learning, trying to attempt to learn to pray in the middle of a crisis or 
a hardship or a bad moment. You see what I'm saying? It's those who will develop a prayer life right here and right now, you guys. Those are the ones who are going to be victorious in their Christian walk for decades and decades to come. So you can look around, you can roll your eyes, and you can yawn if you want to, but you're going to be the one who, like five years from now, we're all going to be having to pray for you because you didn't spend the time in your high school or your junior high. You're saying, Lord, make me into a man or a woman of prayer. I cannot do this in my own strength. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, teach me to pray. I remember the desperate prayers I used to pray in high school. God, make me make me like a house of prayer for all my friends. I remember literally praying this to the Lord and writing out in journals. God, make me like a house of prayer. Whenever people come to me, I know how to pray for them and I know how to encourage them because I've spent so much time in your presence, in the place of prayer. So many times we look at the end product, but we don't realize the amount of time that people are spending with Jesus over months and over years. We are so into microwaving and God is into marinating. So for years and years, 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there, 15 minutes here, just saying, Lord, I just want to pray. I want you to pray through me. Specifically, even tonight, I want to talk about one type of prayer I believe is a dangerous prayer. I believe that this type of prayer will make hell very nervous. Some of us can pray weak anemic prayers and demons aren't moving and angels aren't responding. But I'm telling you, there is a place where you can get to in God, where you can be known in heaven and you can be feared in hell. Because literally, whenever you begin to speak, it's the Jesus in you speaking through you. Therefore, power is released and hell is made very nervous. Is anybody getting this tonight? I'm just talking to a few. I'm talking to a remnant tonight. And this is your first night. I promise I'm not always this mean sounding. I promise you just come back next week and I'll be really sweet and kind. But tonight I'm speaking to a remnant of people who say, you know what, Pastor Brandon? This is resonating with me because, because I want to be that person. I want to be that person who 10 years from now, uh, 10 years from high school, you guys, I can honestly say, thank you, God, that I learned to pray. Because I've had some major crises in my life in the latter part of my teen years and in my 20s, where it's like, I look back and I'm like, God, thank you so much for teaching me to pray at the age of 16 and 17 and not 26 and 27. I would be a hot mess and a wreck before you tonight. And so specifically, I believe one of the types of prayer that literally makes hell very nervous is a type of prayer known as intercession. Where we not only pray for ourselves, but we begin to say, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm going to pray for others. I'm going to I'm going to pray for I'm going to pray for my school. I'm going to I'm going to pray for for, for for people that that I know who don't know you. I'm going to pray, God, I'm going to pray for them. Lord, I'm going to lift their name up before you. God, I'm going to pray for a sick loved one. God, I'm going to pray for my friend who is in chains of bondage, whatever those chains are. I'm going to pray for that friend who's struggling in addiction or are struggling in unbelief. God, I'm going to war for them. I'm going to spend time praying for them. That's what I want to spend my days doing. So when I look back, I can say, yeah, I had moments, moment after moment after moment of praying for people, others, intercession. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says this in the Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you just for a few moments here about the person of the Holy Spirit. 
He is so powerful. He's so kind. He's so gracious. He's so loving towards us. Romans 8.26 says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, I don't know about you, but this is me. We don't know what God wants us to pray for. How's that for a confession of God? I don't know what God wants me to pray for. And this is Paul writing this. But, thank God for a but, <laughs> the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Our one translation says the Holy Spirit literally prays through us the perfect mind and will of God. That type of prayer makes hell really nervous, you guys. I'm talking about intercession and specifically praying in the Spirit. James 5.16 says, confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. For the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Another translation just says, for the, uh, for the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man carries much weight or has great effect or comes or results in great, great power being released. You understand this tonight? For the effect, but, but here's what's interesting about that in the Greek language. For the effective, fervent prayer, interesting there because the word literally means the red hot from fire or boiling things. So the red, you never put like metal in fire and seen it and it turns like this red glowing. So the word there literally means prayers, energetic prayers specifically, that are like glowing with the fiery heat of God, the fire of God. Those prayers will carry much weight. Those prayers will effect great change. That's, that's what I'm talking about, you guys. Tonight. So again, there's all different types of prayers. There's, there's devotional prayers. There's, there's a time to be quiet in prayer. That's not what I'm talking about. There's, there's a time to, you know, sit and be contemplative. That ain't what I'm talking about either. I'm talking about effective, fervent, red hot, glowing, oming with, with steam and fire. Like literally fireballs, whatever you're speaking and you're praying. And hell gets really, really nervous and starts to tremble. You guys, tonight, I want you to get a heart to pray for your school. So remember, it's, it's your school. And if you don't care, who will? Who will? Youth faces, fast paces, track races, and smiling faces. My school. Heavy books, bad cooks, dirty looks, and hallway nooks. My school. Late bus, teachers fuss, coaches cuss. B plus. My school. Play ball, study hall, cheerleaders call, and wrestlers fall. My school. Football game, foxy, dame, forgotten name, misplaced blame. My school. English poem, lab foam, bathroom comb, broken home. My school. 
scoop in what sin. We win heavy sin. My school. No smiles, heavy trials, Satan's wiles, ruined files, my school. Uncertain years, youthful fears, hidden tears, unlistening ears, my school. Much dope, few cope, many mope. There's not much hope. At my school. Christian praise. Revival days. Changed ways. Ended maze. My school. Bible carried. Sin buried. Saint tarried. Direction varied. My school. Vanished pains, cleansed stains, and evil wanes because Jesus reigns at my school. Use me, I see, to set free, to be God's man, heaven's plan. Sin ran, you can. You can at your school. So as the worship team makes their way up to the stage and you guys can kind of move these boards tonight, you can take them all the way off to the side. What I want us to do tonight is to encourage you to take, to take a risk, to take a bold step tonight. You know, we talk a lot about prayer. We talk a lot about different types of prayer. We talk a lot about different ways. But, but tonight, specifically, I want to give opportunity. Some of you were at Coram Deo, and you remember, you remember powerful moments throughout the weekend. God speaking to us. There's one specific moment where we just begin to ask the Lord. You know what, Lord? We want to encounter we want to receive the Holy Spirit in such a, such a new way. Anna, run up here real quick. Anna McBroom, come, 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 come. Everybody give Anna a hand. You know, one of the things that, that God did in our youth ministry, even that night, was we feel like it was a, it was a moment where he just marked us. And, and so I want to tell you, those of you guys who are at Coram Deo, if you remember, there's Powerful, powerful ministry moments, even on that Saturday night, where so many of you experienced what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you spoke in tongues for the very first time, and begin to just give God praise. And we prayed for so many that night. Anna was one of the incredible teenagers that we that we prayed for. And as, as I said on that night, hey, you guys, we're going to ask the Lord to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully coming, they were all in one room in one accord. There came the sound as of a rushing mighty wind, and it began to fill the place where they sat. And then cloven tongues appeared on top of each of them, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit prayed through them, giving them utterance. We talked about Romans chapter 26 through 28, where it says, we know not what to pray for as we should, but the Holy Spirit make an intercession through us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Uttered in natural English language, uttered in a language and a word that's familiar to our minds, literally praying in a different frequency where we begin to say, Lord, we don't know what to pray. Would you just pray through us with words we do not know? And this language just begins to erupt out of our hearts where we're no longer praying in English. 
or whatever your native language is. You begin to pray at a different frequency. And some kind of way, God takes these babbling, gibberish words. He says, I'll release power and I'll release anointing and I'll break chains and I'll bring freedom and I'll do it through you. Weak you. Ignorant you. Immature you. Yes, you. And so Anna was one of the people that we prayed for that night, and it was so cool because we said, Anna, you know, some people, whenever we pray for them, the majority of the, many times, people begin, begin to just pray in an unknown language that they've never known before. That's very normal. This is Bible. We believe this, you guys. Maybe you don't know that. We believe this. We believe that we are a New Testament church. We believe in being spirit-filled and spirit-led. We want all of the gifts in operation around here. We speak in tongues here. That may be a shock for you. We do that. We, we pray for the sick. We believe in miracles and signs and wonders following behind us. Some of you look at me like you're crazy. It's all good. Anna was one of the people that we prayed for that night. And in that moment... We know the Holy Spirit filled her, and there were several. And we said, the Holy Spirit is in you, you guys. And you have the capacity to, to speak in tongues. You, it's not for the uber, super, hyper, weird, spiritual. This is for the everyday 14-year-old Joe Blow weirdo, no, don't know one verse of scripture, can begin speaking in other tongues. It's just, it's, it's who we are. This is just base level Christianity. It's just, there's nothing, uber, you're not that cool, you know? It's just normal. And so Anna, I just wanted to share really, really briefly what happened that night. Anna didn't speak in tongues that night. She spoke in English, but she received the fire of God. We know that that night. There was something cool that happened. Tell them the date and just tell them real briefly what happened a few weeks ago. Me and three of my friends were in the mountains on a hike after finals just to get a break. And we got lost and um, it was getting really cold and um, we were freaking out. We were lost in the mountains and it was scary. And so... Um, we, we stopped and we're like, we need to pray. And so we started praying and the Holy Spirit fell. And it was crazy. Like things were happening that you couldn't see. And, and the Lord started like guiding us on different paths. And we found a weird series of events happened. We found a path. And when we were praying, we were praying the whole time. Like under our breaths, out loud, we would lead. And I started speaking in tongues. And he's like, what is going on? And like I'm lost in the mountains and I'm speaking things. I don't know what I'm speaking. And so we finally found our way and amazing, like tangible presence of God was there, you guys. It was incredible. So good. Y'all give Jesus a hand. (laughs) Hey, so tonight, hey, so tonight, you guys, really, we just want the presence of God. We want everything that the Holy Spirit has for us. And so as I was, even as we were praying and just kind of playing out this service tonight, I said, well, why not, why not give people an opportunity to receive what so many received even at Coram Deo and, and, and even weeks after so many stories, so, so many, if you're here tonight and you like, you spoke in tongues for the very first time at Coram Deo and you were part of that, will you just stand up real quick? Like there should be a good amount of, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. Yeah. So this is real. This is not like made up stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And so tonight, this is what I want us to do. I want everybody to stand to our feet and, and we're just gonna, we're just gonna spend some time in the presence of God. And there's two different, two different things. This is your time to check out. This isn't make your way to the door, but this is what I want us to do. Even tonight, 
And again, I've invited some of our staff to come and some of our core team. But we wanted to give opportunity. You know what? If you are a follower of Jesus, if he is your Lord. Matter of fact, let's do that. Everybody bow your heads. If you're not following Jesus, if you, if you, I mean, you feel something in your heart tonight, but it's like, gosh, I, I'm not a follower of Christ. I'm not talking about like you backslid or something, but you, you're not following Jesus. I mean, you, you need him to be your savior. You want to make him your Lord. If that's you and you're here tonight, I want you to lift up your hand very, very high. And I want to lead you through a prayer. Anyone need to give their hearts to Jesus? Like, I, I'm, I, I have not been following Jesus, but I want to tonight. Raise your hand really, really high tonight. I want to lead you through a prayer. See, hand over here in this section. One over here. Very cool. Three, four. Very cool. Everybody with your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Those of you with your hands up, I want you to lift up both of your hands tonight. Come on, this is nothing to be ashamed about. You're following Jesus. It's a big deal. Come on. As a matter of, matter of fact, if your, hand, if your hand is up, I want you DLA, those with their hands up, just walk with them right down here to the front because we want to make a public declaration. I'm a follower of Jesus. Come on. There's no, come on. If your hand is up and get a friend to walk with you. It's all good. This is family tonight. Come on. It's the greatest thing. Come on, give them a bigger hand than that. They're giving their lives to Jesus. Armani, girl. Yeah. So this is what I want you to do. And we're all going to pray this together with them. Just lift up your hands, those of you at this altar, and just say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I am sorry for breaking your commands. Come on, say this out loud. I am a sinner. But tonight, I receive your forgiveness. Forgive me for sinning. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, I know I am forgiven. Come on, I belong to God. I have a purpose. I have a calling and I will follow you all my days in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's powerful. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.